30 years, the first Christians changed all kinds of things. This is Michael Green again in 30 Years to Change the World, the book of Acts for today. The book, he's referring to the book of Acts. The book contains a tapestry of themes. That's like a weaving together of themes. The church, the ministry, the apostolic preaching, the spirit of charismata, church planting, Christian lifestyle, sacrifice, prayer, social concern, and many more. The Acts has so much to say to our half-hearted and cold-blooded Christianity in the Western world. Man, when I read that, that convicted me. Michael Green writes and says, there is a cold-bloodedness to the Christianity in the Western world. A, we don't care about people outside. We only care about people inside. And he knew that what made Jesus attractive was how he impacted people who weren't following him how he impacted the leper who he touched and healed who wasn't following him, how he impacted the woman who had a bleeding disorder and healed her, someone who wasn't following him, how he healed blind men who weren't following him. Jesus reached out and did good for people who weren't following him. I think it's important that we look at the book of Acts and understand it changed the world in all these ways. Yes, there was apostolic powerful preaching, but there was also a Christian lifestyle that made an impact on the people around them. And that's why the world changed. Jesus changed people's lives, and then they went out and served and loved people and changed those people's lives. In Luke 24, verse 46. This is what the scripture said, that the promised anointed one should suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, that in his name, a radical change of thought and life should be preached, and that in his name, the forgiveness of sins should be preached, beginning in Jerusalem and extending to all nations. You have witnessed the fulfillment of these things. God sent Jesus to change the world, and the message was a radical change of thought and life. It's interesting because in the Bible, this word is often translated as repentance, the radical change of thought and life. There are about three or four words that are used in the Old and New Testament that talk about repentance. Now, I'm not a Greek, Aramaic, or Hebrew expert, but you can read books that are written by those people, and you can do it, and you can learn about that. And you don't have to know those languages. That's not essential. But it does sometimes help us understand when you've got words like shub, when you've got words like nahim, those are Old Testament words. Sometimes it refer to God, oftentimes it refer to people, and New Testament words like metanoia. There's also teshuva. And these are all words that talk about repentance. Now, why are they important? Because some of those words talk about just turning. Others of those words mean change. Others of those words mean God's changing his mind. But they all ultimately come together in this idea, a change of thought and life. The New Century Version says, a change of heart and life. God sent Jesus to change the world. And repentance was not something that you do one time. It was something that becomes a lifestyle. That no matter where I am in life, no matter how old I am in life, I'm able to turn my life around. If you've had a hard marriage time, you can turn that around. There's hope. If you feel like you've done things in your life that you regret and you're ashamed of, you can turn that around. There's hope. Why? Because God lives through Christ to forgive us of our sins every day. 1 John chapter 1, go back and read it. It's a great passage of how the blood of Jesus continually cleanses us of sin. If we're willing to confess it, tell God about it, we can leave it there and the blood covers us. And God is doing it before we even confess. 
If you become a Christian, before you even confess, he's already washing it away. But in order to make that change, we want to grab a hold of repentance and say, I want to change me. And once we change ourselves, guess what? It becomes infinitely more easy to change the world. And why is this? God sent Jesus to change the world, and the most powerful change occurs when there's forgiveness. That's right. When there is forgiveness, it's a powerful change. And oftentimes, forgiveness is not talked about enough. And guess what? In the book of Acts, that book we keep referring to, they preached forgiveness, they preached the cross, and they preached resurrection. You may be sitting there going, man, this is a lot of language I've never heard before because I've not ever thought about Christianity this deeply. I'm with you. That's how I was. I didn't even know that Jesus died on the cross so our sins would be forgiven. I didn't even know that the resurrection was necessary to complete God's plan because Jesus died and took all our sins with him and God raised him to a new life so he could, we could know that we too can be raised to a new life. All of this passion, all of this purpose, and all of this inspiration, guess what? It takes place in the book of Acts. That's why we've got to look at the book of Acts when you look at church and say, what should we be? It's in the book of Acts. Who should we be? It's Jesus. What should the church look like? It's the book of Acts. Michael Green again writes, 30 years that changed the world, the book of Acts for today. I've tried to learn principles of Christian life and ministry from this book for many years. They are so radical, so different from much that is taught and practiced in the modern church. What I find today is many people will, and I used to do this a lot, they'll refer to their particular denomination's history. That's fine. But what we wanna do, if we truly want to experience what the first century Christians did in being able to change the world like no other generation, then we have to open up the book of Acts and say, we need to look like this. Obviously, we're not gonna be living the way they did in the first century. We wanna get their heart. We wanna get their convictions. We wanna get their faith. We wanna get their attention to purpose, their intent, their intentionality. We wanna get that and we wanna get that vision that it's not about the leader of the church. Because when you read the book of Acts, it's not all about leaders, it's about the people. One minister once called it, it's about the magnificent they. What they did, what they did together. And the book of Acts begins in chapter one, and let's take a look at the first two verses. We're gonna use the new King James Version because King James does something here in translation that I think is pretty cool. Verse one, the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. You know, the writer of the book of Acts, who is inspired by God to write it, is the same author of the book of Luke. And so those two books fit together, Luke and Acts. But he says here, and this is how the King James translates it, all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. There's two aspects of Jesus, what he did and what he taught. And there should be two aspects to every Christian and every church, what we do and what we teach. Oftentimes we can get into teaching, but we don't do anything. Sometimes we do, but we don't teach. And Jesus did both. O Theophilus, friend of God, that means, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. He had told those apostles, I want you to go change the world because that's why God sent me. Every generation has a responsibility if they are truly going to be Christians, to change their world. I know for me, sometimes I get tired. Sometimes I, I'm, I, I get worn out. Sometimes I'm defeated and I think this will never happen. That dream will never come true. I know a lot of people my age, people that are in their 50s or 60s, a lot of them have gotten tired of the dream. They, 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 don't, they don't believe in it anymore. 
And that's why we have to get back into the Bible and say, wait a minute, as long as we have life, we can change this world. And if you're somebody who, again, doesn't really believe, isn't really sure about Christianity, understand this, no other force in the history of the world has changed it as much as Christianity. And Christianity only fails to change things when it gets away from the Bible and it gets away from becoming the church that God intended it to be. And we can't trust any historical reference to church as much as we can trust the historical reference to church found in the Bible, and in particular, the book of Acts. Michael Green, again, writes in 30 years to change the world, the book of Acts for today, three crucial decades in world history. That is all it took. In the years between AD 33 and 64, a new movement was born. In those 30 years, it got sufficient growth and credibility to become the largest religion the world has ever seen and to change the lives of hundreds of millions of people. He goes on to write, it has had an indelible impact on civilization, on culture, on education, on medicine, on freedom, and of course, on the lives of countless people worldwide. And the seedbed for all this the time when it took decisive root was in these three decades. It all began with a dozen men and a handful of women, and then the Spirit came. You know, we're talking about the New Testament church, and it is a church that will inspire you to believe, inspire you to keep believing, and that will change the world. The key is we have to commit to looking at Jesus and understanding his mission was to change the world, and believing with all of our heart that this church I call the New Testament church, the one in the Bible, the first century church, that church changed the world because it became like Jesus. We'll see you in our next episode.